On today's episode of the John Campy Show podcast, Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves, despite flopping at the box office, might actually get a sequel, says the head of Paramount. Also, can an argument be made that Apple TV Plus might actually be the best streaming service online right now? The Barbie movie continues its dominance as it crosses the half billion dollar mark in under a week. And I don't know if this information is accurate. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem has a critic rating in the high 90s. What? That and a whole bunch more. The John Campbell Show podcast starts right now. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie related show on the planet, The John Campbell Show, coming from right here. In our quaint little studio, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies and movie news, TV and streaming, and all sorts of good stuff. I'm joined in studio here today by Ray Ora. Yeah. Standing over there is Jonathan <laughs> Voico. Hey. Chris Carr is here. And most importantly, you guys are here. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. And here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to start off by talking about those predetermined topics that we just talked about. And then in the last part of the show, we're going to take questions from our YouTube channel members. By the way, you can become a supporter of our channel just by going to our YouTube channel and becoming a member. And we're going to take questions as we do every day from them at the end of the show. Uh, now, before we get rolling here, I should mention this. Went to go see uh, Haunted Mansion last night. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. How you was- know what? I, and we put out <laughs> we put out our out of the theater reaction. Ray was definitely not wanting to go see it. <laughs> no. I was skeptical. I mean, I love going to the movies, but I was skeptical that the movie's gonna be good. You know what? Not terrible. Not terrible. Not terrible. Not terrible. Yep, <laughs> not terrible. Says John Campia. I mean, it's not great. I mean, yeah. But it, it come on, legitimately laughed out loud a couple of times. Right? Even right. you did. I, I was right. there. I was sitting right beside you. You right. laughed out loud a number of times. Don't don't mention that. On- but it was funny. Um, the characters were charming and endearing. You liked the characters. If you are, my, my wife is a big fan of the ride at Disneyland. And she said it was like they just, they totally captured the ride. Which, I guess. I mean, I think I've been on the ride once. But, uh, so she loved that. Um, the performances were good. The little kid in it's fantastic. Uh, Lakeith was great. Rosario Dawson's always great. Danny DeVito, Owen Wilson. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, great story. No, some some eye rolls. Yes, but at the end of the day, <laughs> not a bad little film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's got what what was the last critic rating you saw? Like forty three. Uh, yeah, forty three. I I get it. I can see about you know half a little less than little less than half of the people coming out of it didn't like it. Um, I, I get it. I, I, I do. I can understand why somebody would come out of this movie not liking it, but to me it was a, it was a perfectly fine little film. The, the problem with it is, was its length, I think. Like, the first hour and a half was like, everything was great, but then the novelty kind of wore off of all the ghosts and stuff, like, towards the end. Just because they kept doing How the long same was thing. the movie? It was uh, two hours. Around and, two hours? Yeah, yeah it, it's, it's a movie that should have been shorter. 100%, it should have been a little bit shorter. But again, you know, not terrible. Yeah. Anyway, let's get on to some movie news here, shall we? We're going to start with this. Going from not terrible to utterly fantastic, Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves was a really 
pleasantly surprising little movie that came out and it did fantastic as far as the ratings go. We can take a look here. The critic rating, 90%. The audience rating, 93% for this Chris Pine-led little Dungeons and Dragons romp. And everybody knows I'm a, I'm a Dungeons and Dragons player, so I was looking forward to it. But the movie was charming and fun and delightful and exciting and it was great. I loved it. What also can't be disputed is the fact that it flopped. Because we're looking at a movie here that had a production budget of $150 million. That's not counting marketing, and it's not counting how much the theaters take to keep their cut. The movie made $208 million at the worldwide box office. It lost a lot of money, which made a lot of people like myself, and I'm sure others, probably suspect that they weren't going to see another one. Well, hold on to your horses for a second. The chief at Paramount <laughs> is saying that they might very well do a sequel to this. This comes to us from Variety. It says, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves will lose money even though Chris Pine led the ensemble. Robbins, that's the head of Paramount, isn't abandoning the idea of more Dungeons and Dragons. Though, if there is a sequel, he says, quote unquote, we've got to figure out a way to make it for less. Now, we made a short video about this a little bit earlier today. And if you're talking about a movie that lost so much money, why would they consider making another one? Well, the, the reason they would consider making another one is specifically because of these ratings. 90% the critics liked it, 93% so the audiences loved it. You know, and I talked about this months ago after Dungeons & Dragons finished its theatrical run, that, look, there could be an argument to be made here to do another one if you can, number one, decrease the budget and you can have a reasonable belief that everybody will come back and bring more people with them this time. And it found more of an audience on home video and stuff like that as well. Now, look, Dungeons and Dragons is not going to go from a $208 million box office movie to a $700 million box office movie with a sequel, but it can be profitable. And while it's not usually wise to roll the dice on sequels to monies, to movies that lost monies, but this could be one of the exceptions to that. And I would love for Paramount to take another swing at this. Chris, you heard about this. What do you think about the potential here? Despite the fact, look, there's no debating. It lost a lot of money. What do you think about the idea that Paramount is floating the thought of maybe doing another one? What do you think? I think the big thing here is what makes a movie successful? We always look at the box office, the opening weekend, and that kind of determines whether this was a success or a failure. And instead, we need to look at the longevity of a movie and what can be a franchise. If you can make a franchise out of something, is it worth mining? Because that's what all companies want to do right now. You look at Mattel, how they're having the success with Barbie. They've talked about how all they want to focus on now is franchising things. So if you have that potential here with the Dungeons & Dragons movies, then obviously this is something you're going to pursue. And they should because it's a great movie. I watched it twice on my flight to London and Logan never saw it, which was wild because he's such a huge Dungeons and Dragons guy, but he obviously loved this movie. He was laughing out loud on the flight. My dad, not so much a D&D guy, shocker, but he had a really great time with it too. And he didn't go see it before because he was worried about the Dungeons and Dragons component. He didn't know if he'd be lost and need to check with me about certain jokes or certain mechanics of the game. So I think that kind of hindered everything, but there's a lot of great potential here. And I know the original budget didn't factor in the marketing aspect too. That 160 number, I think it was going around, but it made what? One or 205? 206. Like 206. Thank you. You got to figure out that after theaters take their cut, that means it really made 140. So you probably figure about 
$70 million for, for marketing on it if they did that much. So you're talking about $220 million money put out, 140 coming back. I mean, it has to do better. Yeah. They got to do better, and hopefully they'll be able to do that. All right. Let's now move on and do a Mint Mobile hotline question of the day. If you guys have a question for the podcast, you go ahead and call it in anytime, 24-7 at 951-268-4259. And the topic of today's Mint Mobile hotline question is, can you say that Apple TV Plus may now be the best streaming service? Check it out. Hey, John, it's Clint from Austin, Texas. I subscribe to Apple and Apple Plus, Apple TV, and I watched Ted Lasso, and then I watched Slow Horses, and then I watched Silo, and then I watched Foundation. And my question is, has Apple TV usurped HBO as a benchmark of quality? Because, holy crap, every show I watch on this streaming service is amazing. Thank you, and bring on the filthy. All right, Clint, thanks a lot for calling that in. And listen, we are now in the streaming wars, right? And one of the newest, you know, challengers to enter the arena is Apple TV+. Plus. Now, I remember when they made their big announcement day that Apple TV Plus was coming, they brought all the stars, they announced all the shows they were launching with and brought all the stars out. I was thoroughly underwhelmed. Thoroughly underwhelmed. Nothing about it looked impressive to me. I mean, they had some big names, but nothing looked all that interesting and all that kind of stuff. Well, then I watched Morning Show when it came out. That show was way better than it had any business being. That was a really great show. And it's just gone on and on and on. And they have really laid that their model is, we're not going to put out tons, but when we put some out, we're going to make sure it's really good. And that, that it pushes boundaries and we're going to do some... And they have done a fantastic job. So, of course, in a world where we've got Disney Plus and HBO Max, I know it's just called Max, but I'm not going to call it that for a while, uh, where we've got Netflix and all that kind of stuff. To say, is Apple TV Plus the best streaming service? That sounds ridiculous. But if we sit down for a second and start to go through the list of shows they've put out, is it really that ridiculous? I, I pulled this list up from the good folks over at Vulture, but Platonic, right? The new Seth Rogen show. I've only watched one episode. It was pretty good, but my wife loves the show. She thinks it's great, and a lot of people are talking about it. Uh, the After Party, which I know, Chris, you are a particular big fan of After Party. Uh, so they, then they had that. Then they've got Blackbird, the Taron Egerton one, which a lot of people have been really raving about. Central Park, I admit I'm not familiar with. Dickinson with Haley Steinfeld, my wife, obsesses over this show. And I've watched a few episodes, and it's really quite good. Five Days of Memorial is one I haven't watched. Uh, For All Mankind. Yep. Woo! Ray, you are yeah. a... And, and Jonathan. Oh, yeah, Jonathan, you started watching it, too. Oh, yeah, I'm all caught up. So And, and Rob obviously loves the show. So there's For All Mankind. That's an Apple TV+. Plus. What you could arguably say is was their flagship show. Uh, with Morning Show. It's won a bunch of awards. It, it's, again, way better than I thought it would be. It's really fantastic. Then one of my favorites on the network, Mythic Quest. Nobody watches Mythic Quest. I don't care. It's one of my favorite things that they've got on there. Uh, Rob McElhenney is absolutely incredible in it. I love this show. Uh, Pachinko, uh, The Problem with Jon Stewart, which is actually better than I thought it would be. Schmigadoon, which a lot of people completely fell in love with. 
Servant is not one that I've watched, but a bunch of you guys have written in to tell me that you watch it and absolutely love it. So there you go. It's got 40 episodes. Then the one that maybe gets most people talking about it, Severance, mm. which is a show I never thought Ray Ora would sit down to watch. But Ray, you didn't you like blast through that whole season in like two days or yeah, something? Yeah, like man, that thing was super interesting. There's so much mystery behind it that I, I I got on board right away after the first episode. It was just like, what the heck is going on? And now everybody's anxiously waiting for the second season to come. Then what I think might be the best show on Apple TV Plus, Shrinking, with Harrison Ford and uh, Jason Segel. I, I honestly think it might be the best show on that network. It's absolutely incredible. Then Silo, which I just finished mm -hmm. watching the first Me season, too. was incredibly good. Slow Horses, which, again, I have not watched Slow Horses yet. I just completed uh, season two, so I'm caught up. Yeah, and again, a lot of our viewers have been writing in to say they've watched it and loved it. Swagger. And then, of course, what I said, Morning Show was the flagship show. But really, the flagship show of Apple TV Plus now is Ted Lasso, even, even though it's now done. At least officially, it's done. I think they're going to do a season four. But officially, it's done. Ted Lasso, and by the way, not even on this list, was Foundation, which I just started watching season two. And, and I liked one of the originals, but no one else liked it. It was Invasion. I actually liked that, it was mainly for the, meet, uh, the main lead, the army guy. Um, and there's the Big Door Prize. I actually started watching that. Yeah, it was interesting. So yeah, I, I, I love Jason Momoa. I just did. I could not get in to see. I tried. And do, does anyone did anyone see that one where he's trying to sell the properties on the moon? Um, I watched the beginning of that. I, I did too. Um, yeah, but yeah, there's one. It, it huh. Doesn't sound familiar to you? Not at all. No. As it's an Apple TV Plus show. Yeah, yeah. It's like. So I mean, look, that's a really strong list. And you go through all that, I didn't see a glaring weak link on the list. So, what's that? And then the, the future, we get a, get a Godzilla show. Uh, I, I, I don't, I I don't believe think it's in Apple be any TV. Good. I believe in I, you Apple You know what? TV. I mean, that's a good point. I mean, when you look at the track record, maybe I shouldn't be so skeptical about it. But, so that brings up the question. Should we be considering? Have, have they, by the way, great use, Clint, of the way, word usurped. Mm -hmm. Uh have they usurped HBO as the gold standard? I will say no, they haven't. And for one reason and one reason only, no length. They've, they've literally been around for the blink of an eye. When you're talking about the standard that HBO has with their show, they have been doing it for decades. Some of the single most iconic, they've got four or five shows that various TV files will argue is the greatest television show of all time. Yeah, but I mean, they've right? got stuff, right, that like we've seen over the decades and we still yeah. want to go back and watch it again. Yeah, I mean, everybody still talks about, I mean, a lot of people think The Wire might be the greatest television show ever made. Then you got things like The Sopranos and everything else HBO has ever put out on their stuff. It's just too long of a, they've been doing it too good and for too long. And there's an argument to be made that even with this incredible, impressive list, there's nothing on this list that was as good as The Last of Us or House of the Dragon. I mean, it, that's up for debate. It's a, That's a... That's a yeah, subjective right. thing. But uh, I mean, so I would say right now, HBO is still wearing that crown. Mm -hmm. But as far as the newcomers, mm -hmm. right? Disney Plus, Peacock, 
Paramount Plus, clearly the head of the class is Apple TV Plus. They mm -hmm. clearly are doing it better. They are clearly doing it smarter. They're taking a very much a crawl, walk, run approach. They seem to have very strict quality standards basing what they want to put on air. And when they do put something on, it seems to make an impact. So I will say no. Apple TV Plus has not usurped HBO as far as the gold standard of highest quality television program they make. But they're off to a damn good start. And let's ask this question again in a couple of years. Chris, I mean, we went through this incredibly impressive list. Um, what, where, how, where do you see Apple TV Plus right now in the whole streaming wars, particularly when it comes to the comparison with, you know, the current crownware for excellence of television production, HBO? How do you see it? Well, I think they're in the position to be darlings who are doing their own thing. You know, they've always had a very different business model than everyone else because their focus has not been subscribers. It just hasn't. It's been getting you to buy their products. We want you to buy a laptop. We want you to buy an Apple TV. We want you to get all of these things. And hey, if you do that, you're going to get a year subscription to Apple TV. Lucky you. And if you don't get those things, you can try out the Apple TV subscription for a week, maybe, and that's it. So their focus has always been buy these other things, and this is a great component that you get from it, which is really, really smart. They also have always had a focus on quality over quantity. You know, we have things like Netflix. Now we have it with Max with them curating everything. But with Netflix, it's always been this kind of spaghetti, throw everything at a wall, see what sticks. With Apple TV, we feel like it's a bit more curated. It feels very intentional. Like they did all of this with a lot more precision. On top of that, too, in addition to all the shows that you were talking about, all this great fare over here, they also have amazing family programming. They've got Snoopy, my guy. Snoopy's incredible. Snoopy's a great thing to have on there. Really good <laughs> original children's programs. So that's another thing that they have going for them, too. I got to add on there as well. They have been really smart about their whole VPN thing in a way that makes you, the consumer, feel good about it. I'm overseas. I'm not able to get into my Netflix. I'm not able to get into my Disney. But, oh, hey, I just have to confirm on my iPhone. Oh, that is me trying to use this Apple. Thank you so much. But it's something that's also kept it so sharing my password is wildly inconvenient to me. So they've been really, really smart on doing all these things. Plus, they also have prestige movies. They have Coda. They're doing this now with Joaquin Phoenix's Napoleon. We've seen it coming with Killers of the Flower Moon. They are working on building up quality programs and movies. They're like the Trader Joe's and then like, <laughs> and then like, you know, like Netflix. I don't know if anybody like, who doesn't live in L.A. is going to get that joke. Uh, but. I mean, they're like, you know, that exquisite. Yeah. Exquisite. To my family, they're very right. happy about that. But they also have a little bit of a same. It's different, but in principle, the same. The same kind of approach that Amazon does, right? Amazon isn't really all about Amazon TV. Amazon Video is a part of a package of being a Prime member, right? With Apple, Apple, ever since the days of Steve Jobs, what they are really into doing is creating an ecosystem that they want people to live in. It's like, you use your MacBook? Great. Now, how about a uh, iMac for your desk? Got that? Great. How about that iPhone? Great. Sitting on your couch? How about you get yourself an iPad? Great. Want to work out? How about Apple Fitness? Want to listen? Yeah, that's right. Apple Watch. You want to listen to some music? Use Apple Music. And I think oh. then then they got you're going to sit down and watch TV. We've got our Apple TV device. Mm. 
What are you going to watch on that Apple TV device? Well, good news. We've got Apple TV Plus. And it's a, they, that's why, like you said, unlike some of the other streaming services, their primary focus isn't getting the number of subscribers. Although they, like all their divisions, they want Apple TV Plus to be financially profitable on its own eventually. But their bigger picture view is it's a part of our ecosystem. Like, then people get into the world of Apple. And I'll tell you what, the only reason, oh, I don't have my phone on my desk. The only reason I still use an iPhone because, folks, listen to me. Listen, Android is the vastly superior format, vastly superior platform. But the only reason I still use an iPhone is because Apple is so damn good at making that ecosystem. My phone talks to, I got a MacBook, and my phone talks to it super easy. I can get all my text messages here. I can I can copy something on my thing and just paste it right on my phone. Hey, you can make an argument. You can do the same thing with Samsung products, but I don't want to switch over to all Samsung products. They gave me Apple <laughs> Music for free with my iPhone purchase. Mm. I still regret not re-upping on that. Like, I really liked it, but it's just that I, I didn't know if I wanted to keep going with that subscription. Well, I mean, but uh, but listen. Let's revisit this question of Apple TV Plus and where it ranks. I get, again, I think as far as it ranks for all the newcomers to the game, yeah. obviously HBO Max and, and Netflix Netflix have been around a long time, but they are the head of the class when yep. it comes to the new ones. Can they actually get in that upper echelon? We'll talk about that again a little bit later. Hey, listen, guys. We still have a few more things to talk about here, including Barbie crossing... Half a billion in less than a week. We're also going to talk a little bit about Mutant Mayhem. The new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie has a, I still, this has got to be a joke, but a high 90s critic rating. We'll discuss that more. But before we do, we're going to take a second and thank one of the sponsors of our show here today. They've saved my bacon a number of times. The good folks at Rocket Money. We want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. And for me, Rocket Money has been a godsend. I've told you the story before about how I found out that I was still paying a gym membership from when I was still living in Burbank, California, two years ago. And just recently, I had completely forgotten that I was subscribed to multiple music services with different apps. Rocket Money identified the ones I wasn't using and help me cancel my subscriptions super easy. And I'm not alone. Over 80% of people have subscriptions that they've completely forgotten about. And chances are you're one of them. Like that Stars app you use just to watch one show or that free gaming trial that you never got around to canceling. Rocket Money will quickly and easily find your subscriptions for you. And for any that you don't want to pay for anymore, just hit cancel and Rocket Money will cancel it for you. It's that easy. Rocket Money also helps you manage all your finances in one place and automatically categorize your expenses. So you can easily track your budget in real time and also get alerted if anything looks off. So stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash campia. That's rocketmoney.com slash campia. Rocketmoney.com slash campia. <laughs> and thank you to our friends at Rocket Money for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. All right, guys, with that down, let's move on to this. Been a lot of talk about Barbie recently but for good reason it's slashing up the box office like first of all it comes out of the gate it beats super mario brothers for the biggest opening weekend of the year with 162 million then it sets the all-time monday box office record for warner brothers uh, warner brothers a studio that's been around for 100 years beating out christopher nolan's dark knight which was the biggest box office on a monday ever in the his studio's history and uh yeah they beat that 
Then they continued on becoming the biggest box office on a Tuesday in the history of Warner Brothers, making another $26 million on Tuesday alone. And by the way, yesterday on the Wednesday, it also continued its toward pace, making 23 point something million dollars on the Wednesday. Jeez. That means, you gotta understand, the end of day Tuesday, Barbie was at $472 million. Well, now this is only counting up to the end of Tuesday. Before counting international box office, Barbie had gotten to $495 million, not counting anything that came in internationally on Wednesday. Long the short of it is before the end of the day yesterday, Barbie crossed the half a billion dollar mark in under a week and cracked the top five, top six highest grossing movies of the year. If we go to worldwide here now, remember right now, Barbie's not counting. This is not counting Wednesday's total, but having crossed the $500 million mark, that means it is hopscotched over Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which remember that 476, that's the entire theatrical run of a Marvel film. Barbie passed it in under a week and is now sitting behind Little Mermaid, which it will catch in the next couple of days, uh, is only behind Little Mermaid for the number five spot. Then we got Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Then we have Fast X, Guardians of the Galaxy, and the number one film of the year. And we'll stay the number one film of the year. Is Still Super Blue Mario Beetle, Brothers clearly. But, I mean, it's it's going to easily become the number two movie of the year. Easily. Some people are still trying to convince me that it'll beat Mario Brothers. I I, I just don't see it happening. I, 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 it'd be really fun to see if I'm wrong. I just don't see it happening. But it's already crossed a half a billion dollars. You know, we went to... a see Haunted Mansion yesterday. And boy, and that was a Wednesday. A Wednesday. Boy, there was a lot of pink in the foyer of that theater. Both as we were walking in and as we were walking out, there was a lot of pink. And it wasn't from people watching Haunted Mansion. Mm -hmm. uh, those, the line, the concession lines were full. $23 million on a Wednesday. Also, a funny fact, this is the most I ever see the bar area full too before a movie. Oh, well, we're, we walked in. There was a group of about 20 ladies at the bar, like getting their drinks <laughs> you know, before go Barbie. Do it, right? man. Go watch this movie. Have a good time. Did you, you go know? chat them up, Chef Pleasures? Oh, no, like, What's no, that? no, 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 no. no that's that's where I go though. into my cave and go. <laughs> <laughs> Women intimidate Ray. <laughs> Unless they're wearing trench coats. Then he's <laughs> then like, like nothing to out. do with them. Then we get go solve crimes. <laughs> so, you are the same, though. You, we what's all that? The same. We all, the same. We all sound the same. Yeah, we all you the missed same. it yesterday, though, Chris. Somebody said, we're on this great thing. You're going to send one of our viewers said, I'm going to send in a, a Barbie in a trench coat to Ray. <laughs> no. Jonathan pulled up some great images He's of Barbie. Be my His worst nightmare. <laughs> but look, we, we've talked about what is it about this property? Because I don't, I don't care what anybody says. Nobody saw this coming, nobody did. Like some people thought it could make money because it's nostalgic and Barbie and stuff like that, right? But nobody saw this coming. So I I don't know if this is, how much of this is Barbenheimer? How much of this is nostalgia? Like, Ray, you put together a list for me a few days. I can't remember which day it was when we looked at the, the history of Margot Robbie movies. Yeah. I, let me just see if I can find it find it here. But like you can't say that 
it's Margot Robbie's star power. No, because right? she was in the 30s, 30, 30 million opening weekend for Yeah, I mean, let's, let, let's, let's bring this up here. It's not Margot Robbie. Here's her last five films. Babylon, oh, this is the opening weekend for her last five films. Babylon at 3.6 million, Amsterdam at 6.4, woof. Uh, James Gunn, Suicide Squad, 26 million. Birds of Prey, 33 million. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, 41 million. Like, none of this would lead you to believe that a Margot Robbie-led movie would open to $162 million, right? So you can't say it's Margot Robbie. Chris, is it any one of these things? Is it a combination of these things? Like, what, what on earth can we write it down to that Barbie made half a billion dollars in less than a week? How do you explain well, that? It seems to be a perfect storm because once again, I haven't seen this movie. I, I, I got to work yesterday, which knows nice on a video game. I was not crossing a picket line. Um, but I feel like it is this kind of perfect storm of a really smart script and a iconic pop culture character. But also, I think, follow me on this, it feels a little Ted Lasso. It feels a little, yeah, we can like something that's fun and happy and sweet and candy colored. That's okay to go to a movie and see something like that. And then you're surprised that there's something more existential at the core of it. Right. But I think that's part of it is we we have so much content like an Oppenheimer, which I'm not taking away from that at all. But I think there is something about going to a movie that you know is going to be fun that makes you want to keep coming back to it. I think that's what Super Mario Brothers had too for yeah, its older true. audiences as well of just, this is fun and everything around me sometimes is not fun. So why don't I go to a movie theater, sit in a wonderful air-conditioned space with snacks and have somebody make me laugh and make me think and maybe make me cry a little bit. Those are all great things that I want to go experience. That's fun. And I'm also telling you, Oppenheimer, I could see someone going to that movie by themselves, taking it in as the movie. Barbie, I don't see anyone going to this movie by themselves. They're taking groups. It's a they group wanna, thing to do. They want to yeah. laugh together. They want to talk about it afterwards. It's just an event movie that's just really hitting all cylinders right now. I mean, for from all generations, like grand, like I said yesterday, grandpas, grandmas, you know, parents, kids. It's it's all over the place. Well, no, yes, I I literally I th I'm I'm not one hundred percent sure because I didn't want to walk up to the lady and say, "Excuse me, are you this girl's grandmother?" I didn't want to do that. But there was there was a group in there that I I think you're right. I think there was a grandmother, her daughter, and her daughter's daughter, like a multi generational. And listen, in the re refreshment line, there was a brother and sister, same age, both wearing pink, going to see yep. Barbie. That the dynamics of this is all over the place, oh. or like the. I mean, you know, demographics of you guys grew up with sisters and, and Jonathan, you have girls. I mean, uh, Barbies are just synonymous with being in your home when you have children. That's just a thing. Yeah. I had a ton of Barbies and my brother would sometimes steal the Barbies to play with his G.I. Joes because they were, you know, working intelligence or they were mm -hmm. captors or something like these are dolls that have been around since 1959. Mm -hmm. So it is something that spans generations. Well, Helen, Helen Mirren says something at the, at the very beginning of the movie. So uh, this is this is something that happens right at the very beginning. Remember, they released that clip of the 2001 A Space Odyssey yeah. homage. So that's the beginning of the film. OK, right. And you hear Helen Mirren saying, you know, as, as long as there have been little girls, there have been dolls. But dolls, and they show a bunch of little girls playing with dolls, dolls were always baby dolls. In essence, telling little girls that the one thing you can aspire to be is a mom. That's, that's your dreams. That's your goals. 
you can only, and it's a great dream and it's a great goal, but whereas little boys, we got to imagine driving fire trucks and we got to imagine being this and being that. Being a transformer. <laughs> or being, uh, yeah, I want to grow up to be Optimus Prime, damn it. What's wrong with that? So they, they, she said, but dolls were always baby dolls, meaning little girls could only aspire to be moms. Then came Barbie. And Barbie was an architect and she was a homeowner. And she was a doctor. And she was basically telling that because Barbies can be anything, the message of little girls is you can be anything. Mm -hmm. And maybe that message consciously, subconsciously somewhere got down to the DNA of a, of a lot of women who grew up playing with these dolls. It's like, there's a movie of this. I want to go see yeah. it. But nobody saw it being this big. That's Here's the thing. a little quiz for you, John. Who Do you, do you think Anne played with Barbies? Oh... See, this is the same little girl. Just say yes or who no. I watched a home video <laughs> view as her's a little girl playing Indiana Jones. Yep. You can be both. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess no. You're right. Olive okay. Olive was the one with Olive, the Barbies. Olive I totally see playing Barbies with Barbies. Hundred percent. She played with the action figures I played with. So and Olive, every time I try to get one of her Barbies to play with my action figures. She dug her nails so deep in my forearm. I think you could scrape her nails right now and you could clone me because I'm still under her nail somewhere. Because she dug it so deep, like I, it, it scarred me for life. She had real nails too, at nine. At, think, at nine. I think she grew them because of me. They were a defense mechanism. Yeah, for real. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to see if, oh yeah, let me see if I can bring this. Uh, hold on for just a second, but just so people... Uh, know who we're talking about. Um, <laughs> this is, oh, that's not the picture. Oh, where's the picture? Well, this is Anne with her sister. Oh, oh you're going to bring this up? Hold on a second. Let me see if I can get this again. Here's Anne with her sister. That's Anne in the front. That's her sister behind her. That's all the one we're always talking about. All of she's the big sister of the family. She's the collector of bags. She's the Thanos. She's the collector of bags. Of bags. <laughs> Man, stop. Stop buying bags that expensive, Olive. Come on. And this was like at Olive? a big Get Filipino uh, <laughs> karaoke party. Yeah. <laughs> with, the, with the sound. That's where they kept going. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, they For did. For no reason. <laughs> For no reason. And in the middle of the song, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, they, they kept hitting that thing off. Anyway, look, this, this weekend, <laughs> I said at the end of the opening weekend of Barbie, it's going to take a 60 to 65% drop second weekend. Mm-mm. The projections are saying it it could take less than a 50% drop. For a movie that made $162 million on its opening weekend, that's extremely rare. Extremely rare. So we'll see what the where it all ends up. All right. With that down, guys, let's move on to one last thing here, shall we? There's a stupid movie coming out for stupid people called oh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles you. Mutant Mayhem that looks dumb is a bastardization of what the true Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are as they were created by Eastman in their original form and now is made for children. Oh my God. With I'm all that your said. your subscription count right now. <laughs> all that said, even I have to admit, even I, this grumpy, totally jaded against these imposter Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh God. Don't. Even I got to say, 
The trailers have been pretty charming. I, I didn't like the first one. The first trailer I didn't like. But the trailers that have come out since then, even I got to say, these have looked pretty charming. And their CinemaCon presentation, even I had to say, all right, I'm interested in seeing this movie. They, they just somehow found a way to make it seem really charming. Well, the review embargo is lifted. Now, surely the film critics are going to see this for what it is. I'm mm -hmm. too scared to even look, man. Just some kind of, again, bastardization. Here's the turtles gathered around looking at Rotten Tomatoes. See the smiles on their faces? It's because right now this fucking movie has a 97%. Yeah! yeah. 90. How many reviews though? 30. I mean, so it's not like two or three. I mean, still many more to come, mm -hmm. but a couple of them are from the major outlets that I suspected would be a little bit more negative towards like a little thing like this. But so far, it's looking pretty good. Now I'm going to scroll down here because we're going to read and look at some of these. I'm hyperventilating right now. <laughs> All right, let's 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 take a look at this. So Movie Web, Web wrote, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem is a refreshing new take on beloved characters. Get out of there, thing. On beloved characters, the film looks absolutely incredible with stunning animation and killer action scenes. The turtles experience growing pains in a world that fears them. Superhero Hype wrote, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem may be no Spider-Verse, but the fact that it even tries to, put, to, tries to be puts it way above the level so many family animations are these days. Uh, Mommy's Geeky writes, an absolute game changer, perfectly combines nostalgia with something refreshing, stunning animation, hilarious jokes, and a killer soundtrack. Looper wrote, an enjoyable hour and a half. Now, these are all positive. You see the red tomato there, all positives. An enjoyable hour and a half with some great action and just enough cleverness to keep its not particularly original story engaging. Aww. Uh, Jordan Hoffman over at The Messenger writes, a jubilee of barf and snot and ooze and stink bugs and slobbering rhinoceroses and shouting awesome when someone lands a cool kick. And he means that in the best way possible. Uh, the Movie Cricket writes, even the most visually arresting animation in a movie this year that doesn't have Spider-Verse in the title. The Times UK writes, Besides a couple of live-action inserts, mostly from kung fu movies, the film is fully animated, but with the kind of careless scribbles and inky lines that suggest ima imagery pulled from the margins of a school notebook during a dull chemistry class. I love that description. That sounds great. Uh, Screen Crush writes... It turns a very familiar concept into something refreshing. Uproxx writes, this is the first theatrical Turtles film that comes anywhere close to that feeling in the mid-80s oh. of something that was weird and underground and a little edgy. The Independent in the UK writes, Mutant Mayhem blends a hyper-aware but affectionate love of the franchise's past with the look and lingo of the present. Total Film Magazine writes, Turtle Power is back thanks to a potent combo of winning humor and gnarly animation. Cowabunga. By the way, Hollywood reporters, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle thing, just their headline was Cowabunga with an exclamation <laughs> point. I mean, so you got some small critics in there, some of the big outlets in there. There just seems to be a lot of thing of nostalgia, fun, whimsy. And you know what? As I was looking at the previews and slowly starting to get one over, those are the reasons I thought it looks like this could have that whimsy. It looks like it could have that fun. And apparently, according to the reviews, Ugh. granted, only 30 in their count so far, but some of the major ones, sitting at 97% at the moment, I don't. I doubt it'll stay as high as 97. Yeah, cool. But even coming out of the gate, come on, come on, Ray. 
I Nobody know. has been more enthusiastic. I, and I am right. Did you think it could debut at 97%? I was thinking more like in the 81 or 82. And I, even I would have thought that was hopeful. I would have thought, you know what? This will do well if it's in the high 60s. Because in the high 60s, that's respectable. That'll be great for them. 97%. And I'm sure it'll drop a bit, yeah. but it ain't going to drop down to the high 60s. This ain't going to drop down to the 70s either. I mean, I mean, hey, something. color me impressed, man. I am suddenly even more looking forward to seeing this damn thing on Saturday. What uh, do you think about this, Ray? It's, it's Saturday can't come soon enough. I'm, You know, because you always talk about the box office numbers. That's where I'm thinking about now. What I'm thinking about now with Barbie still hitting its wave and stuff like that. I hope it makes enough money where, you know, the people behind it, the animators, you know, um, feel proud of their work or like, you know, it, 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 oh, but you don't need box office to feel proud of your work. I mean, yeah, I guess, but you know what? I'm really excited. You need box office to pay your rent, but you yeah. don't need box <laughs> office to be proud of your work. I'm really excited. And what you mentioned, like a lot of them mentioned, there was an interview where the guy was directing the anim animators. He was telling them to purposely scribble mess up mm -hmm. because that's the style they wanted, mm -hmm. which is great that it comes out on, on, on film. I can't wait to see it. The trailers, every time, Donatello is spinning his bow over his head or um, they're doing an action move. It looks so brand new to me, especially in the turtles world. I mean, I used to go to target every week to try to buy one turtle. What are you talking about? Used to, I mean, I still do. <laughs> and I still been buying turtles, but I, I in the eighties, yeah, you know, like I the carded, to, like, yeah, I had to get the first one, Michelangelo. Then I would beg my mom for the second one. I hated when I was with my dad because he was more stricter on buying stuff. So, like, I would have to ask my mom through my dad. You know, <laughs> my mom would have to go just buy for him or whatever. I finally got all four turtles. I can't wait for this movie. I'm so excited. I'm pretty sure I'm going to love it. True story. True story. No, no, no. I hate true story. True so story. We're, we're going to go see this on Saturday. And coming down close to Ray's birthday... We're also going to have a little birthday celebration for Ray yes. that day. We're going to have some food after the movie and stuff like that. Because we're seeing the movie, what, like 2 o'clock in the afternoon? 2 o'clock in the two afternoon. Or three, right? Which you two are invited. So, Did you guys get Ninja Turtle performers for the party? Well, go Ninja, well, go Ninja, go. Here's the thing. So a couple of weeks ago, I, uh, I come home and I walk into the room. And my wife's on her iPad trying to figure some stuff out. I'm like, what you doing, baby? She said, I'm, uh, I'm currently in the middle of planning a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles themed birthday party for my 43-year-old brother. <laughs> I'm like, and that, yeah. that tells you everything. Dude, they were my life. The turtles were, were my life. That's the, that's Hell my yeah. thing. Oh, dude, you, I remember we went to CinemaCon and the, like the moment we walked through the door of Caesar's Palace, all Ray cared about was running around and finding all the, first of all, you got this, these statues of Caesar and they're wearing, Teenage Mutant Ninja yeah. Turtle masks, and he's get like, get past are... the balls and dick. Then you get to see the turtle's mask. Look, that should also be on the poster. Yeah. Look past yeah, the balls. you've gotten dick. past the balls and, and look at dick. the thing. Then your prize will await you. That's just dating. Just Chris, <laughs> um, I mean, look, I know you've also been excited for this movie. Maybe not as excited as Ray, but close, you've been excited close, for this but movie. not as excited. When you're looking at a 97%. Mm -hmm. 
come on, I, I'm not the only one who's sitting here saying, come on, this is unexpected. I mean, is or, or were you totally expecting this? What do you think? I was expecting this to be well-received, but maybe not that well-received. Right. So that is very, very exciting to me. And honestly, with a bunch of critics, I was expecting it to be compared to Spider-Verse oh, constantly, yeah. and that right. being something that could weigh it down. What I do like here, and I think this can be a mirroring of what everyone likes about the Turtles, right? You like the initial comics that Laird and Eastman did, which initially was supposed to just be a parody. It was supposed to be a one shoot making fun of Daredevil, essentially, in comic book tropes. And then they did 75 issues. They go over to Image and they get super weird with it and really (laughs) violent and ridiculous. We're like, someone loses a hand. And then I think Rave has to become... The new Splinter support. It's weird. It's weird. But we have a whole bunch of that weird stuff mixed with the idea of them actually being teenagers this time, really getting to play with that kind of trope of what it is to be a teenager and be excluded from things and try to still be a hero. So we've got real weird, funky, dark shit happening met with all that teenage altruism and that invincibility that you think you have. So I think both of you are going to really enjoy it. And I think this is Paramount's attempt to inject the turtles into the new generation you know what i mean if this is not going to work for them then it's just not going to work then we leave them in the past yeah i i'll be honest with you while i'm starting to suspect that this movie is going to be much better than i was anticipating i still have my doubts about how it's going to perform at the box office yeah me too i i I just and i'm not even talking about oppenheimer and barbie going into their second well i mean it'll be their third weekends by the time teenage mutant turtle actually opens but i mean i I, I, I'm just not feeling a lot of buzz. Like, yeah, I know. Honestly, That's why I'm hyper With all the questions we take every day on the show and open mic and on the show here, how many questions have come in regarding Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Mm. I, I honestly don't, I don't, I can't remember any. I do feel like a lot of our questions, and rightly so, are being focused on the strikes and how that's affecting things that are being made currently. But then also you don't have the actors being able to promote the work right now. You can't have, Seth Rogen can't talk about this. Really, you can't have any of those young voice actors who this is for some of them their first big movie to promote this. Which everyone says they're great. Yeah. So there's there's also that issue. We don't have late night interviews with this cast to generate buzz. I think Rogan can discuss because he's a producer. Yeah, he's the producer of the film, so I think he is able to just like uh, uh, Nolan, who is a member of the WGA, was still able to promote Oppenheimer because he's also the producer Mm. of the film, stuff like that. So well, and the director of the film too, who they have a deal with. So. Hey guys, listen, I'm telling you, things are looking good. <laughs> We're going to see it on Saturday. We're yes. seeing it in two hours. We are 48 hours yes. away. Right? 49 <laughs> hours. 49 hours away from watching I this movie. Wait. So we'll do our out of theater reaction uh, once we see it on Saturday. All right, guys. With that down, we are now going to go over and take questions from our YouTube channel members. But before we do, we're going to take just a quick second here and thank another sponsor of today's episode, my mobile service provider, and they should be yours, Mint Mobile. We want to thank a sponsor of this video, Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, your utility bills and favorite streaming services, inflation is everywhere. Seriously, make it stop. Thankfully, there's one company out there that's giving you a much needed break. It's Mint Mobile. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just $15 a month. You guys know that ever since I switched to Mint Mobile, I've been saving almost 70% a month over my old phone plan. For people looking 
Looking for extra savings this year? Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just $15 a month. By going online only and eliminating the traditional cost of retail, Mint Mobile passes the significant savings on to you. All of their plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just $15 a month. To get your new wireless plan for just $15 a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash campia. That's mintmobile.com slash campia. Cut your wireless bill to $15 a month at mintmobile.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at Mint Mobile for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. All right, guys, with that down, let's get over and get to those YouTube channel member questions. What do we got up here first, Chris? From Dad Jokes. Hi, John. What other movies that came out this year would have been a good combo weekend like Barbenheimer? I was thinking Super Mario and John Wick 4. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, theoretically, you can throw together any two good movies, right? But see, the interesting thing about Oppenheimer and Barbie was that they were two such diametrically opposed kinds of movies that is such a weird mix to put them together. I mean, I really don't know. I would I would have to sit down with a full list of movies of the year and go through it. I, I, so I can't really answer that question. But I don't know. You got any ideas? No, I don't. It's yeah. tough because I, I, they are diametri diametrically opposed, yet mm -hmm. they do have a bit of a dark, like one has dark satire, and then one is obviously the atomic <laughs> but I mean, they're both geared towards adults, really. So like people are kind of saying like, oh, this like someone joked about Paw Patrol and Saw, but they're not that opposite. They're still adults that are they're appealing to. So it's, it's a little different, you know? <sighs> yeah. They are very different movies they from each other. So I'm, I'm not sure. All right. What's next? From Red One Real Talk, Gary Oldman's facial hair may be the most incredible mask I've <laughs> ever seen on a person. Anytime he's clean shaven like an Oppenheimer, it's like he's a different person entirely. Maybe it's because I knew him best as Jim Gordon in Sirius Black, but am I alone and struggling to track him across his different looks? Wait, 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 no. He was no. in Oppenheimer? I, who, was he, who was he in Oppenheimer? That I don't know because I haven't I'll seen check. Oppenheimer yet. But I will say to his point, early earlier in his career, like going back to the 90s and then into the aughts, it's like I used to feel like, man, I don't exactly know what Gary Oldman looks like because he's so different in every film, mm. you know? I mean, even in uh, uh, Their Finest Hour, or was that what it was called? Where Fine, plays... Their Finest Hour yeah. or Finest Hour, something like that. By the way, I, I, it is the one that he finally won his Academy Award yeah. for, but it's not just the trophy. I honestly think that was his best performance. He, really like, he was amazing in that. Yeah, he disappears in his roles. Does he play Truman in it? it was he Truman? Harry Truman, yeah. Oh, oh was he, he was. There you go. See, he hides in his That's roles. That's right. He's what the one he? who says, get that... What do you call them? That sissy or something. Yeah, yeah. Get, get that. Oh my goodness. I get didn't that even cry realize baby. that was him. He called him a crybaby. Yeah, also, get that crybaby out of here. That sissy was crybaby. He's a chameleon. Not only does he oh change his God, physical look yeah. constantly, he changes his dialect. Yeah. Remember him in that one Hannibal movie? In that one Hannibal Lecter movie? I love that you think that I know what you're <laughs> oh, talking about. It was one with I all saw Silence of the, the Lambs and was like, I'm he's, good. He's all mangled and stuff like that. Oh, it's just, just horrible. It's okay, called anyway. Hannibal Irie Bay. Oh my God. He was. <laughs> no. Ill. All right, what's next? From the Antagonistic Anonymous John, I have always wondered why did you stop uploading on TikTok? I got to say, Jonathan Voiko, you were killing it with the new editing style, and it was nice a nice way to quickly catch up with the news. Uh, news, John. Keep it up. 
Oh, well, I'd love to take credit for that. But yeah. that right. <laughs> uh, I, I did some of the TikTok editing. I had another uh, another guy in, in the UK who did some of our TikTok editing, honestly, because we weren't getting anything out of it. I mean, John, I saw that some of those videos said, great. Some of those TikTok videos had X number of views on them, but it didn't actually do anything for us. It didn't get us anything out of it. We didn't get any new subscribers from it. We didn't get any new visitors from it. They stuck um, to TikTok, so. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I am not dissing the, the platform of TikTok at all. I'm just saying for us, the amount of effort that it took to make those videos in TikTok format versus what we were getting out of it I mean, it, it just, we weren't getting, we were literally using our time and our resources for something that wasn't getting us anything in return. And so uh, that's ultimately, now I'm not saying we'll never try it again, but again, for the amount of effort and time it took for us to put those together, we simply weren't getting a return out of it. So that's why we stopped doing it. All right. What's next? From Ulatan, question for Chris. Okay, is there a difference with the approach to voice acting for a dub on a live-action foreign film versus voice acting for animation? Are there actors who specialize with each medium? Perhaps do both. I was always curious about this topic. I'm oh, curious too. Yeah, it is wildly different for doing those things because for animation, you usually are a bit more heightened. You are usually a bit more animated. For dubbing live action, the whole key is to try to make it as smooth as possible. So you're trying to not make the viewer even think that this is a dub. Obviously, that's not going to be flawless, but that's your goal is to make it feel like a very lived in experience where this is the language that it absolutely was occurring in. Um, the tricky part for live action um, movies, though, is if there are actual action sequences, those can be kind of weird to dub over those. Um, also, intimacy scenes, dubbing over those can be a little funky too. Animated things, um, actually, both of them, you're always working on matching what's called the mouth flaps. I don't like that they're called that either, but that's what they're called. So every time the mouth is moving, that's what you're trying to capture. Um, there are people who specialize in both. There's more people, I think, who specialize in the anime world that teach classes and things like that. Um, and all anime, obviously, has the, the dub or sub option. So you're going to see a lot more of dub actors in that genre, too. All right, what's next? From CJ Rebirth. One of the saddest moments still from Loki to this day was seeing Mobius talk about riding a jet ski before mm -hmm. he was pruned. I really thought, I mean, look, I Loki is one of my absolute favorite characters in the MCU. I'm not going to lie to you, I was disappointed with the Loki series. I mean, it wasn't terrible, wasn't bad. There were a few episodes that I really, really liked a lot. I really thought they were going to go somewhere with that. And like they, they planted a seed earlier in the series and they didn't do anything with it. And I thought that was a real missed opportunity. So yeah, that's one of the things that stands out to me. All right, what's next? From King Daddy Go, Oppenheimer was a masterpiece. It really was the history film we didn't know we needed. 10 out of 10, brilliant. It's, it's magnificent. It's such a great movie. And, and like, I'm not going to sit here as, as somebody who's definitely not an American historian. I'm not going to sit here and talk about and wax poetic about how historically accurate it is, because I have no idea how historically accurate it is. I know Christopher Nolan tried very hard to be as accurate as he could while making it also very engaging dramatically, but the movie, you know what? I, I'm not going to call it the best film of the year. I think for me, Across the Spider-Verse might still be my number one film of the year, but, it, but it's my number two. Uh, and it's definitely going to be a best picture contender, maybe even a best picture winner. It's just fantastic. All right, what's next? From Adrenaline Night, I wonder why all of Disney Plus original shows are Marvel and Star Wars. Seems that it's one problem with rushing the shows out. 
That's not true. They have a thousand original shows, yeah. and they're all garbage. But American Born Chinese is fantastic. Oh, yeah. I did not see that one. That's actually. great. And more people need to watch that. But like they put out tons of original shows, like mm -hmm. tons and tons and tons. So yeah, don't be, if you're, all you're doing is reading the headlines, maybe you'll think it's only Star Wars and stuff, but believe me, the, the amount of non-Star Wars and Marvel original stuff that they put out far outnumbers the ones from Star Wars and Marvel, far outnumbers them. All right, what's next? Let me From, scroll down uh, here. There you go. The Super Ranger mud truck saw Oppenheimer <laughs> and man, it was pretty good. Although if you notice in the scene where after the drop and he comes into the room. Never mind. You know what? Just just in case. Let's let's uh, skip over that just in oh case. Oh my gosh. Does the bomb work? <laughs> just gonna be, I, I didn't read the whole question, but just in case. Okay. You were just being overly cautious here just in case it gets into any spoiler territory. <laughs> All right. What's next? That's why I was like, are, can we not spoil history? <laughs> Chris Davis. I'm not a big comic book reader. Does anything in the comics line up with the uh, Gaia situation in Secret Invasion? I mean, you do have super scrolls, yeah. right? But a different situation where it's a breeding program. Yeah. And again, this is something I've been saying since the first day I started movie blogging. Just because something is in the comics does not believe it should be, it should work beyond a screen. And just because something works in the comics, comics doesn't mean it'll work on the screen. The whole concept of what they did with Gaia is so fundamentally idiotic. Um, I mean, I'm not like, even if you want to get my nitpickies about the way they did it was really stupid. But even if we wanted to put that aside, just the fact that they did it, like Chris, you weren't here, but I mentioned that. Well, I don't think the MCU has been perfect, you know, I've, I've, especially since Endgame. But I have never once, even when the MCU has done things that I totally disagreed with or whatever, I could at least see why they did it or why they tried or what they were hoping they would accomplish by doing it. I have never, since the inception of the MCU, wanted to sit down with Kevin Feige and go, what were you thinking? <laughs> What they did with Gaia in Secret Invasion is the first time I've ever felt that urge to sit down with Kevin Feige, who's clearly a million times smarter than me. But I've never for a while, just like, what were you actually thinking? How, how, could, how could you or any of your advisors think this was a good idea? And it's, it's yeah, yeah. And, and again, there is some loose precedent in the pages of the comic book, but that does not justify doing something stupid on the live screen. It, it, it doesn't make it okay. It was utterly stupid. But anyway, all right, what's next? From Alan's, uh, Alan Sivka Kumaran. Hey, Ray, this week's American Ninja Warrior was promoting the new TMNT movie, <gasps> and I thought of you. The Turtles introduced it as American Teenage Mutant Ninja Warrior. <laughs> I am more hyped about this movie due to your enthusiasm. Can't wait to hear your view on it. Yeah. All of a sudden now, during lunch, he's going to be looking up American yeah. Ninja Warrior to find, to find that thing. By the way, it's pretty fun because like in LA where they, they have courses sometimes, you can go into some, they've done it at the theme parks or at the, uh, at the Universal lot and stuff like that. And to see the obstacle course is pretty awesome. It's pretty cool. All right, what's next? from Sam Fisher. So every year I have a favorite TV episode of the year. Last year it was Sandman's episode six, The Sound of Her Wings. Mm. Ooh. This year it might be Star Trek, Strange New Worlds, Those Old Scientists. It's the Lower Decks crossover and it was so funny. I have heard so many good things mm -hmm. about this season of, of uh, Star Trek, Strange New Worlds. 
I have not started watching it yet. I'm hopefully going to start watching season two this week. Um, but I loved season one. Absolutely loved season one. And hearing a lot of great things about season two. And I, I can't wait to get on it. But I don't watch below decks or lower decks. Lower decks. Uh, I, the trailers did nothing for me. Not, But I'm interested in the fact that they're even doing this by taking the live action or the voice actors from the show and bringing them over. And I think that's pretty fantastic that they're doing that. So I am very curious to see just how that does because everybody has been telling me it was a great episode. Haven't seen it yet, but I hope to watch it soon. All right, let's take two more. What's next? From Big Cookie. Does the TV Academy need to fix the two-category structure, drama-comedy, instead of submitting for best comedy drama? I... Uh, oh, instead of submitting for best comedy drama, I would propose dividing the categories by episode length. Ooh, no, I don't like that at all. Mm. I don't like that at all. Because then what's your category? Because in the world of streaming, it's not like the old days of television where things were specifically 20, every episode, 22 minutes, 41 seconds, just to make room for the commercial breaks. And an hour long show was 48 <laughs> minutes, whatever, right? We don't live in that world anymore. Yeah. Like an episode, one episode, of, even like with FX, one episode of Sons of Anarchy could be 48 minutes. One episode of Sons of Anarchy could be 65 minutes. So then where do you draw the line? I mean, some episodes of Secret Invasion was over 45 minutes. Some was over fit. One was like under 35. So I you no know, length, no drama, comedy. It's not perfect. And obviously some idiotic organizations like the Golden Globes completely do stupid things with that distinction. Really? The Martian was a comedy? Okay. The Bear? Even Emmys. The Bear is a comedy? Where, yeah, there are some funny moments. Yeah, so I totally agree. Those are those. But at least in terms of Emmys, those huh moments are rare. Not super rare, but rare. Now, drama comedy is probably still the best way. It's not perfect, but it's still probably the best way to do division, I think. All right, last question of the day. What's next? From uh, Dare Ailes. Do you think Feige ca even cares about quality right now? After Secret Invasion, MCU gives off burned off F it vibes. Burned out F yeah. it vibes? Ooh. Yeah. I Look, I'm not going to lie. Look, it's... But it's hard to say that outright because we just are on the heels of Guardians of the Galaxy 3, which was fantastic. Um, but burned out, yes. Has the quality standard dropped? Absolutely. Again, when you start putting out double the amount of content that you used to put out, that means writers who weren't good enough to work on your projects before suddenly are good enough because you have the extra projects. So now you need more writers who you wouldn't have hired before. You have DPs or directors or whatever that wouldn't you wouldn't have hired before. But now that you got this much work to do, you do hire them. The quality level comes down. Uh, you know, Kevin Feige, you know, we've heard him say he doesn't have a hands-on thing with every project anymore. He straight up has said it. He cannot be hands-on with every project anymore. He was your ultimate quality control with the MCU before. I wouldn't doubt it if he had very little, if anything, to do with Secret Invasion. And that in and of itself is a problem. So they got to do something. And Bob Iger has already kind of referenced the fact that they're going to start to address this. Bob Iger himself has said, hey, listen, we're putting out too much content. It's watering it down. Yeah. It's diluting the quality of our product. He's 100% right. And here's hoping they can uh, get that fixed. Yep. 
All right, guys. With that all said, that'll do it for today's installment of the John Campy Show podcast. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who are our channel members that send us those questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, because you are our supporters and channel members, you guys help support what we do. By the way, for those of you who are our channel members, at 5.30 p.m. Los Angeles time tonight, we are going to be doing a channel members town hall meeting. So come on by, and I hope you guys will join me for that. I want to thank the people in the room with me. Ray Ora. Yeah. Jonathan Voico. See ya. Chris Carr. Bye. My name's John Campia. Thanks a lot for being here, guys. And until next time, my friends, all right, I'll say it. Cowabunga. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>